Welcome to the Claremont County Book Lovers Podcast. I'm Andrea, and today I'm joined by Laura hey. and Shana. And today we're going to discuss your favorite books from 2021. So Laura, what has really rose to the top of your list? So I have two choices. One is dark and the other one is light and fluffy. So I'm going to start off by setting the tone to be a little dark. I'm going to bring us down. And then Sheena, I know, is going to bring us back up. Great. I love a roller coaster. My first pick is All the Murmuring Bones by Angela Slatter. And this came out in the spring and I'm still thinking about it. So the description is a once powerful and prosperous family has fallen on difficult times because they've broken a long ago made bargain with dark powers. Mirren's grandmother is determined to restore the O'Malley's to what they once were. And to do that, she's willing to sell Mirren in marriage to a distant but wealthy cousin. Of course, Mirren has other ideas. This book is full of sea creatures, but these mermaids are from nightmares, not sweet stories for children. These are terrors of the sea and they're angry with the O'Malley's and they're willing to make Mirren pay for her family's many transgressions. The writing in this book is gorgeously Baroque. It's ornate, it's polished, and it's paired with a very gothic sensibilities. The traditional gothic shadow-drenched decaying mansion. It's full of long-hidden terrible family secrets. We get murder, ritual sacrifice, incest, All kinds of the good stuff, right? Plus witchcraft and the terrible magic of these sea creatures. So exquisite world building. I'm really hoping that she chooses to set another book in this world because it's just beautiful. So obviously I loved it. It is the book equivalent of a very dark chocolate tort. It is gorgeous and rich you have to consume it slowly and let the words just melt on your tongue. I love it. I love that metaphor. Yeah, it was so descriptive. <laughs> now I'm hungry <laughs> for the book and for a dark chocolate tort. It's really, really good. I love yeah. it. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that, Laura. Absolutely. It's not as dark as what I was thinking. You know, dark could be like violence and mur- the true crime darkness. You oh, know? right. This isn't real life murder. This is dark fantasy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fiction, murder. but it's dark yeah. fantasy. Yeah. So. I, 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 I feel like a lot of authors, when they write about mermaids and sea creatures, they take the dark route. There's just something so alluring about it where it's like, oh, gosh, an evil mermaid, you know, or <laughs> right? evil sea creatures. Like, what's down there? So that sounds good. The cover is beautiful. Once we get it dropped into video or if you go to the show notes, you see it. It's a mermaid tale. And then you read the description and you're like, oh, that's not all pretty and lighthearted. We know singing crabs in this book. (laughs) All right. Well, Shana, what is on your list, your favorite standouts for the year? My first one that I'm going to talk about, I love this book so much. It's called The Gunk by Stephen Rowley. And it's Gunkle, G-U-N-C-L-E. So not really a real word, which I guess now it could be. Um, it's becoming a word, isn't it? Maybe not I in think, the dictionary yet. Yeah, it was just one of those books that's a feel-good book. I really, really enjoyed it. It's hilarious. So if you want to laugh while you're reading, which I find it really hard to find books that can make me laugh while I'm reading. I mean, you may read a funny scene and you're like, huh. But, you know, this one <laughs> made me, you know, laughing. So Did you just say really you lol I LOL'd, yes. I laughed out loud. I'll read the summary. Patrick loves his niece, Maisie, and his nephew, Grant, with all of his heart. Well, he loves spending time with them when they come during the summer for a week-long visit at his home in Palm Springs or when he visits them in Connecticut for the holidays. No matter how adorable the children are, Patrick is out of his league when it comes to caring for them. 
tragedy strikes the family and Patrick finds himself suddenly taking on the role of primary guardian for the entire summer. Maisie and Grant adore their gut, which stands for gay uncle Patrick and his funny gunkle rules but they also are figuring out how to grieve the loss of their mother. Patrick stumbles along, not really knowing what he is doing, especially after losing his own partner a few years ago and dealing with his stalled acting career. Plus, his lifestyle doesn't really suit having a six and nine-year-old around all the time. Quickly realizing that parenting, even if temporary, isn't solved with treats and jokes, Patrick's eyes are opened up to a new sense of responsibility. Having Maisie and Grant around isn't so bad after all, and he will actually miss them terribly once summer is over. That's super heartwarming. It yeah. is. He's their gay uncle Patrick, their gunkle, and he's in his late 40s, and he was like a famous actor on the sitcom show, and he kind of disappeared from the world when he loses his partner Joe in a car accident, and so he buys a mansion in Palm Springs, and he's just happy you know he drinks and he has parties and he doesn't care you know and then his brother his wife dies because she was terminally ill then he finds out his brother tells him he's like I need you to take the kids because I have a drug addiction and I'm going to put myself in this rehab center for three months so the whole summer and you need to take my Patrick is like no I don't do kids but he ends up taking them and it's just so sweet there were just parts in it where you know he is funny so he tries to cover up pain and sorrow with humor but sometimes that's good and then sometimes it's bad like sometimes the kids are not having it they're like you're annoying I hate your jokes I hate you so then he has to figure it out with them it was just really cute it was really funny I actually wrote it down it's a short conversation between Patrick and his nephew Grant which Grant is six years old and he has a list and the author actually showcases that in the writing like in typing if anything has an s I think he puts like a th in there so you get a sense of how adorable Grant is I'll just read it real quick because it was my favorite. Grant is saying this to Patrick. You look like Harry Potter. And then Patrick says, that's rude. And then Grant <laughs> says, why? You know how kids are always, why? Why? And Patrick says, because Harry was a Gryffindor and I am clearly a Slytherin. He hisses for emphasis. So it seems like that in the book where you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, the characters are just so inviting and it was really heartfelt and tender and I loved it. Good. It sounds wonderful. I'm going to put it on my list to read. I've heard of this author. He wrote Lily and the Octopus. It's about another gay character and he has a wiener dog named Lily and she ends up getting a tumor and it looks like an octopus. So that's Lily and the Octopus. And it's supposed to be another really heartfelt. So nice. I think that author is onto something. <laughs> Sounds like it. Okay, Laura, which um, way on the roller coaster are we going next? Up, down? I, I tried to have some balance, right? So okay. first one's dark. This one's very lighthearted. It's called The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton. And I do believe it's her debut. So if you're looking for a fantasy alternative historical rom-com with lady pirates, witty banter, and sweet romance, this is the book for you. I was looking for all of that. Right? Who wouldn't be? Imagine a Victorian England where lady pirates sail the skies and houses. They plunder items that owners were practically begging them to take by leaving them unattended and in plain sight. These are no unmannered, unkempt, uncivilized pirates. Oh no, they are lady pirates, and the niceties of society must be observed. Unmarried ladies need to be chaperoned at all times, 
And even married ladies don't show their ankles in mixed company. So Cecilia Basingwaite is the perfect Victorian lady. She just happens to have some amazing fighting skills and deft fingers perfect for picking pockets. She longs to be fully established as a lady pirate, no longer forced to sit at the junior's table when the Wisteria Society gathers. She thinks she might be on her way when a stranger shows up to assassinate her. But instead of murder, Ned and Cecilia embark on a mad caper and indulge in some very meaningful glance. This is a super charming romp. I loved it from beginning to end. And this is a fabulous alternative Victorian England, and India Holton has peopled her world with incredibly fabulous characters. The romance between Cecilia and Ned is super charming, and there is a palpable tension between them, but there are no steamy scenes. So if you're looking for something that's a gentle read, as gentle as it can be with, you know, swashbuckling pirates, <laughs> this would be a good choice. Even the villains of the piece are fabulous. Their main downfall is that they recite some appallingly bad poet. That's as terrible and dark as it gets. And this is the first book in the Dangerous Damsels series. So fast-paced, fun, laugh out loud, funny, utterly and totally charm. So my first question is, you said laugh mm -hmm. out loud. Did you lol okay there were some scenes that were just so zany that i did actually laugh out and lady pirates that is like my <sighs> dream if i could go into another dimension like another life i would hope it would be shayna as a lady pirate and i have my own ship yes. and i'm just as cool as jack sparrow and you know well, this is great because they have these houses that just happen to fly around the countryside and then they can land if they want to do things. So they're flying around and they have guns and they chase each other over the countryside. It's really a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It's a good read. And it's got a lovely cover because I am shallow and I do choose a lot of my books based on their appearance. Oh, I do too. I think and I, many of us do. And I've seen that cover and that's like one of my favorite colors, that real pretty purple. I'm kind of mm -hmm. wearing it today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's funny because if you're not paying attention, it looks like just a regular historical romance. Or it, it reminded me of kind of like Bridgerton. Like I thought it would be like a fancy historical romance, type, you know, like like ladies having tea, like very, you right. know. Proper, yeah, not so swashbuckling. I wouldn't picture pirates. These ladies have tea. They're just pirates. So there's yeah. swashbuckling involved. Yeah. Cool. All right. Shana, what's next on your list? Next is a really unique story. I, I got the book in and sometimes I read the summary. Well, I obviously read the summaries when I request them, but I put so many on hold and they come in at different times. I forget. So this one, it came in and I just started reading it. So I had no idea. And then once I started reading it, I was like, oh yeah, it was really, really good. It's called The Invisible Husband of Frick Island by Colleen Oakley. And I'll just start with a summary because it's a little long. Piper's life on Frick Island is nearly perfect. She and her husband, Tom, are living that serene island life and are happily married. Piper works multiple jobs on the island from waitressing at the One-Eyed Crab restaurant to volunteering at the local museum while Tom is a local fisherman. One day, Tom's boat doesn't return. After the locals and police search for his boat and for his body, they eventually find his boat sunk into the ocean. No body to be found. This turns Piper's world upside down, and to get through her grief, she does a peculiar thing. 
she carries on as if Tom is still alive. Not only does she act like Tom is still alive, she acts like he is right there beside her, cooking breakfast, attending church, having dinner on a Friday night at the restaurant. The townspeople know Piper is grieving. So what else is there to do except go along with her delusion? Anders Caldwell's career is not going so well. As a young, ambitious journalist, he would rather be a national award-winning podcaster by now, rather than writing a story about a cakewalk on an island that has a population of less than 100. While attending the boring annual cakewalk on Frick Island, Anders finds a much more fascinating tale, an entire town pretending to see and interact with a man who isn't alive. Wow, a lot going on there. I have a question right off the bat. Have either of you been to a cakewalk before? I have. You have? I've never heard of anyone going to a cakewalk. I've heard about it, but yeah, never. Tell tell us real quickly about your cakewalk experience. So I went to one when I was in college, actually. It was something that like the student activities group, they had like a big cakewalk. And so you bake a cake or you can buy a cake and you bring it and then people come and they donate money for a cake that they want to win. And so there's different ways to do a cakewalk. So either you can keep buying tickets and then they'll pull a ticket and they keep the money for whatever cause, or they actually do musical chairs, but with cake. And so you walk when the music plays and then when the music stops, whatever cake you're in front of, you you can take. It's a lot of fun. And the book sounds, it's fantastic too. I like that. I like the premise of it. Yes, it's it's really, really interesting. So Anders is the main character. He kind of tells the story more. And so he's the journalist, wannabe podcaster. So when he finds out about Piper and the husband that is dead, he does his podcast on it because the people on the island, they're very loyal to each other and to their island. And the island is like remote. So like they don't have cell phone service. They don't have internet out there. So he's like, they'll never find out about this podcast, right? Well, then he ends up getting closer to Piper because he's trying to get more information for his podcast because it ends up becoming really popular. People are like, what? This, you know, this is crazy. And then he ends up falling in love with Piper. And then he also finds out that they're building a cell phone tower on the island. And so then all the residents of the island are like, we can't wait for that tower to be built. So then we can listen to your podcast. And he's like, oh, no. So so things end up happening and I don't want to give it away like Piper acting like he's still alive and everything and then the people going along with it. And then you find out that it may have been murder. There's a lot to it and it's fast paced, which I think was a good thing because, you know, small island, it could have went slow, but it didn't. I really enjoyed it. Sounds sounds really good. good, I love it. I mean, out of all the books you've read this year, you know, it's hard to probably narrow it down to just two to share. Struggled. Email Laura, I'm like, I am indecisive. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else to share book-wise for this go-round? So many good books coming out. Publishing, always a hard time. And there's one called The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran. And anyone who loved Red, White, and Royal Blue is going to be mad for this book. It is heartwarming, charming, absolutely delightful. If witty banter is your sweet spot, you're going to love this. It's a romance, but it's so humorous, so touching. I loved everything about it. 
Thanks for the sneak peek. Who's it by again? Allison Cochran. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on today's episode of Book Lovers Podcast. Remember that you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Lori's going to put up show notes on the website, which is claremontlibrary.org. And you can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Have a good day.